0: Welcome back to our Operate Intelligently podcast uh, with uh, Tony Butler, my co-host, and I'm Bob Bittner, affectionately known around here as Papa Dude. Yeah, good to be back. It's a beautiful day. It is. And uh, you know, Tony, it's uh, it's exciting to... uh, I I was really thrilled last week when we recorded together, and it's really great to be back together and recording together and sharing information uh, with our friends out there that are facility managers and directors and operating officers and trying to bring some really relevant information to them.
1: Yeah, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here and to be a part of this. It, it Like I said before, I'm really pumped, really excited. You know, we talked
0: uh, uh, just kind of at a high level last time about all of the things that are challenges to our facility managers and there's so much more. We didn't even scratch the surface on some of them like uh, energy and sustainability and I didn't dig very deep into the compliance and security, but uh, we'll dig into those uh, over the coming weeks. But I wanted to talk a little bit today more about the aging infrastructure. Um, You know, we hear a lot about that. We heard a lot about it in the presidential campaign, about uh, the conditions of our roads and bridges and school systems and universities, and uh, each one of our facility managers uh, are dealing with it today. And unless you've got a brand new building, and even a brand new building uh, issues headaches and and troubles till they get to all those kinks built out of them and worked out of them, uh, we've got some major issues going on with infrastructure in our country today. Uh, just here in the state of North Carolina alone, just the state-owned buildings were somewhere to the eight or six to eight billion dollars in. Uh, Deferred maintenance and infrastructure upgrades that need to be done.
1: And, Bob, you said that's just the facilities? Just the facilities. So not including bridges, roads, Not including bridges and
0: roads and highways.
1: Energy. That's crazy.
0: It's a lot of money. And part of that is because we... uh, And and North Carolina is not an exception to that rule. Uh, We're seeing it all across the country. And some, some states are even much, much worse than we are. And it really has, uh, is a reflection of all of those things that we haven't invested in in the past. We have just put it off. Uh, funding has gotten tight. Budgets have gotten tight. Uh, the economy was tight. We had, you know, for the last 10 or 12 years now, the economy has really hurt uh, all of our industries. And, uh, but we're starting to come out of that yeah uh, more manufacturing jobs are coming back to the US which is great and uh, but we're st- still trying to operate in some of these old facilities
1: yeah again I think the conversation has changed I think uh, for those who are actually you know making decisions on what capital projects are funded uh, their eyes are beginning to open you know we've deferred maintenance all these years and uh, the impact is is becoming very evident now
0: you know, there's a, a statistic that we used to li- like to use here at The Dude for every dollar invested in maintenance is a $4 savings on infrastructure. So that really indicates the power of the dollar of, in maintenance uh, as associated with long-term cost of the building operation.
1: Well, absolutely. I know we had a white paper here. I think it was written in 2009, and it was done by a, a company called Jones Lang LaSalle. And they were asked to do a a study on what the ROI of a PM program would be. They did this for a private company. Um, And after the study, and if anyone wants it, we can put it in the show notes, but uh, essentially the ROI that they came to was 545%, uh, which is huge, right? No one would turn down that sort of investment. But yet we do it every day. We do it every day, right? Um, And a a lot of that investment, a lot of the percentage actually came from just extending the life of that equipment. So, you know, instead of having to replace it this year, we could replace it in five years. And so when we think about all of the equipment associated with a facility and the impact that it makes, um, it's a huge return on investment.
0: You know, we talked a little bit uh, last time about all the challenges that a, a facility manager has today. But one of the things that somebody asked me a couple years ago, what was one of the biggest changes I had in my career? And one of them was really all around the financial piece. Uh, Many of our facility managers aren't finance gurus, but uh, yet we're expected to put together uh, million dollars budgets, sometimes billion dollar budgets Mm -hmm. with very little training around that. And uh, figuring and calculating the cost of money and the ROI on projects and so forth, and we've not been very good at that in the past. And but I do see a change in that. I see uh, people taking that more seriously, uh, getting educated on that. But there's also some very good uh, other options out there for funding uh, outside of just increasing taxes. You know, there's a lot of different models around shared savings mm-hmm. uh, with uh, energy costs. Uh, even though energy. Uh, the cost of energy today is ca- kind of stagnant, it's kind of flat, uh, it, we're not seeing a lot of increases, although I did hear in, in the state of North Carolina, Duke Energy's going after a 15% increase, rate hike increase. Uh, but in general, the uh, energy cost is kind of flat today, but that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of money to be saved there.
1: No, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think because it's been flat, I know we sort of talked offline the other day, um, it's not been a focus. Right. it's kind of right. fallen out of the focus of, of of who we you know the people that I'm talking to and I think um, you know when those costs begin to go up again obviously that's going to motivate us to begin to look for savings but those savings are there um, and you know I, I, I would ask that you guys be proactive instead of reactive to the right. cost and actually get out there and, and find savings um, because the cost is going up it's going to rise there's nothing we can do about that
0: exactly and um you know, I think one of the big challenges that facility managers have always had—they know that their infrastructure's starting to fail. They know there's issues. How do I put that all in a story to be able to tell? And I think the uh, we we hear so much today about uh, big data, uh, almost to be uh, nauseous at sometimes about yeah. the the uh, conversation around big data, but can't. Uh, emphasize enough about really trying to find out where you are uh, and getting uh, an index of what are the conditions of your buildings right now what are what is the condition of your infrastructure what is the rest of the property not only the buildings but all of the infrastructure that feeds those buildings uh, you know we had uh, we had a power outage uh, here at, at work this last week it was out of power for several hours and uh, i'm not sure exactly what the cause of that was but i know that aging infrastructure is causing some of those problems and every time that happens that's a lot of money that uh, businesses uh, and business interruption cost uh, to even just to have a power outage or a water uh, shutdown to a facility
1: yeah it's a huge impact um on on all the businesses and everyone who's just even driving you know you think about the accidents that that happened because there were no stoplights. Um, you know, you talked about understanding the condition of the of the facilities. Uh, that information, you know, you have to tell your story as a facility manager because if you don't, no one else will. You know, and, and again, I talked about and we will continue to talk about how uh, we as facility managers have to educate our decision-makers. Uh, we have to help them understand, you know, number one, we've deferred maintenance. Uh, this is the um, this is the condition of our of all of our systems within our facilities, our facilities as a whole, and then from there we have to begin to prioritize and plan on, you know, how should we fix this? How do we take care of that backlog of deferred maintenance? And then also not only that, but what are we going to do moving forward to ensure that uh, that deferred maintenance list doesn't continue to grow? Exactly. Right. We have to plan for planned maintenance exactly. and budget for it.
0: You know, I think, and I'm I'm just going to point our audience to uh, the Facility Condition Index. Uh, FCI Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't want to go in and explain it all here today but it is a standard that's used across industry on uh, how you rank and stack your uh, the condition of your facilities and it's a formula out there and you can go to uh, our best friend Google and uh, Google will tell you all about facility condition index and you ought to understand that it's not a complicated it's not a complicated formula but there are some numbers that you need to know about it. You need to know how much your facility is worth and you need to know how much deferred maintenance that you've got in there in dollars and cents and you'll be able to uh, rack and stack your the uh, condition of your buildings mm-hmm. and do it. Uh, I don't, I don't. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this before and we don't want to talk uh, a lot about products that we have but I, I do want to talk about some functionalities that we have in some of our products and people that are using things out there ought to have tools like this uh, you know we we are able to provide uh, and what is so powerful about some of our tools is some dynamic uh, ongoing review of the condition of the facilities so you know it used to be that we would hire an, an A&E firm they would go out and do a condition assessment for us it would come in in a nice report in uh, some kind of bound format and we'd put it up on a shelf somewhere yeah. and six months later it's kind of out of
1: date <laughs> and it, be, it begins to depreciate.
0: It, it does, and the value of it really drops quickly. And they've paid a lot of money for this. And so, what we really believe in, and, and what I really believe in, is that you ought to have a system that's dynamic, that that you can go in there and change things and do a lot of what-if scenarios. What if we do this? What if we do that? <laughs> and I would venture to say that none of our facility managers out there today that are listening to us uh, get all the money. That they want every year for their capital needs. So, what am I going to replace? So, I have ten million dollars worth of needs uh, for next year. I'm only getting three million. What am I going to spend that three million on? And what do I get my b- most valuable uh, return on? And how am I going to stay out of trouble? My biggest trouble by replacing the right pieces of equipment. Yeah. So, when you look at when you look at the condition of your facility. And you look at your work order history and that piece of equipment history. Uh, I want to marry those two together to be able to tell that uh, story. And so whatever system they're using, whatever system our, our friends out there are using, we want to be able to marry that data together to say, hey, there's, there's four chillers out there that need to be replaced. I only have money to replace two of them next year. I want to make sure that I'm replacing the right two, right? Right. And right. so I, I look at uh, what's my work order history on that. And we have some tools that allow us, our our clients to do it very easily, uh, but that's still, whatever tools you use, that ought to be uh, in your calculation of what is your maintenance history. And it kind of gets back to doing good history on your maintenance and on your piece of equipment.
1: Yeah, the importance uh, of a CMMS. Uh,
0: uh, yes, exactly. and and recording that data against equipment and putting good hours and dollars and so forth associated with that.
1: Yes, yeah, so often the work order history and, and what we've done to a piece of equipment, the cost to maintain it is not considered when we're trying to do our plan. Right. right. And often it's because we haven't tracked what we've done. Uh, that information isn't available. Uh, accounting doesn't have it. You know, Sometimes they just look at depreciating an asset, and that's really not the best way to plan um, that's how we end up with surprises because we don't know um, you know, what that piece of equipment has been through and what we've done to maintain it and where it's at in its life cycle. Uh, so many variables there that we don't track. Yeah. And so when we make guesses, uh, we come up with big surprises, expensive surprises. Yeah.
0: And it also allows us to tell us uh, when we're recording that data. Am I getting better performance? Am I getting longer life? Is it costing me less with this brand of equipment as opposed to that brand of equipment? Yeah. And uh, I did a study when I was at the school system. We had over 350 chillers, so I had a fairly good uh, balance of of what I had in a lot of different uh, manufacturers. And uh, I won't give the manufacturer's name here, but if somebody wants to, to contact me personally, I'll be glad to do that. But one of them by far was much cheaper to own and operate than all the others. Oh, wow. Uh, out of the four major brands that we had, one was much, much cheaper. Uh, one of, two of the brands was almost three times more. And so when, when we uh, started doing new construction and we would do replacement. I, I told our construction folks, you have to take into consideration the replacement value, uh, the, the operating cost over a period of time. And a lot of times we don't do that. We go into first time cost, oh, it's, it's uh, $2,000 cheaper, so I'm gonna go with that. But if I look at what is my replacement hist- my maintenance history over time, how am I going to be able to maintain it? Is it easier to maintain? Do I have fewer work orders on it? Really tells a uh, can tell a very different story.
1: Well, absolutely. It's going to impact your lifetime ownership or lifetime cost of that uh, facility, that piece of equipment. Um, and again, we all know it's not like we're getting a whole lot of extra money. Th- those dollars have to be used effectively. We need to plan. Um, so I think that was really smart. And the, the key thing, though, Bob, you mentioned it, is you were able to look at... Your all, all 350 chillers, and figure out which ones were costing you the most. So you obviously you were tracking in some sort of work order system. Right? Yeah. Yes,
0: exactly. And uh, we, you know, we did. We were very disciplined on putting cost in, mm-hmm. uh, cost of our own labor, cost of contract labor. Uh, all all that was ever touched on those machines was recorded and a cost associated with it. So we had good good data, and I would encourage our uh, uh, our listeners out there to make sure especially on your major pieces of equipment on your big equipment that you're really recording a uh, history around yeah. it. And, uh, I know there's, there's lots of excuses of why not to do it, but, uh, the value of doing it in this story that they tell is is huge. Uh, one of the exciting things that we're doing with some of our data, um, is that not only can we compare most of our clients don't have 350 chillers. Right. Right. And, uh, we're, we've collected so much data over the years that we're now starting to be able to produce some reports about what are other people doing What are other what's it costing other people so that you can say well maybe I don't have a statistically uh, proven number uh, to be able to tell that story but maybe I can combine it with some other like clients Yeah, and so we have the ability now to take some of our clients that are in the education uh, community or in the local and state government community, or in the healthcare community and say, uh, what are my peers doing? What's it costing them? Let me use some of their data as well to uh, really paint a better picture. You know, there's lots of standards out there, but a lot of those standards have just been developed off of of gut feels and what it should be, uh, and not actual data, but we're really able to produce off of some actual data And uh, it really tells a powerful story.
1: Yeah, definitely make an impact. I think for for all of our facility managers, we're really an advocate for you. You know, and we were talking about tracking work in a work order system. It doesn't matter if it's our system or another system. Um, I I just want you to be able to, to track the work, or I want you to track the work because of the value that comes from that. Like you said, Bob, lots of excuses, lots of reasons not to do it. But I think the reasons why you should far outweigh and outbalance why you should not.
0: You know, you, We kind of go back and our listeners might be saying, well why are you talking about work order stuff when you're talking about capital planning? Yeah. Well, they go hand in hand, they're a handshake. Yeah. And uh, really need to understand that uh, to have the good story to be able to tell and to invest when you get that three million out of 10 that you're replacing the right equipment. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of gut feel about it. If I go out to my, my HVAC technician, they can probably tell me the gut feel that they have about which piece of equipment needs to be replaced but uh a lot of times uh we can be fooled uh we forget about some things we forget about some events and uh we say uh, golly you know yeah when i really look at the data that's not the story that it tells
1: yeah i know um as we talked about in a previous show we there's a lot of folks who are retiring they're taking all of that institutional knowledge with them out of the door out the door yep so you got to capture that keep it in the system so uh just encourage people to
0: uh, on their capital planning to look at all of the data that's out there available to them. Uh, understand what the peers are doing. Understand what uh, what the data is telling you. Understanding what your work order is telling you. That uh, so they can really focus in uh, spending the money wisely, spending it in the right place, and people will appreciate that review of that and you'll be
1: able to go and sell your story so much easier absolutely so I, I know there's a lot of value in that the folks who are making decisions will see that um, that story that you tell you have to tell it no one else will tell it yeah so it's definitely insight into how things are being ran and what's happening within your facilities
0: you know we'd love to help uh, any of our listeners if they have specific questions about that and uh, want some specific uh, illustrations we'd be glad to sit down and and talk with them, uh, as to some of our experiences out there, putting those plans together.
1: Absolutely. Well, Bob, I think it's time for us to wrap up. Um, you guys, if you have questions, if you have comments, please engage with us, uh, in the comments section. We'll make sure that some of the information that, that we pointed to is going to be in the show notes. I mentioned that, that white paper, the ROI on a PM program. So thanks for joining us this week. And, uh, We look forward to you joining us again real soon. And
0: uh, if you uh, are looking for us, uh, you found us already because you're hearing this, but uh, you can find us uh, uh, on Stitcher or iTunes at Operate Intelligently uh, Podcast. And uh, we look forward to uh, being back with you here real soon. Yep. You guys have a great week. Take care. Bye.